Welcome to Managing Marketing. Uh, today I get a chance to sit down and have a chat with Steve Shepherd, who's the Managing Director at Interactive ANZ. And Interactive is a professional training and coaching company that started in France. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Darren. Good to be here. Interactive. Now, we have a mutual friend that actually introduced us, don't we? We do indeed. Clément Toulemont. Yep. And uh, he was one one of the early people in the company, wasn't he? Absolutely. Clément, uh, the company was started 30 years ago in France by Philippe de la Poyade. Uh, and uh, Philippe bought Clément on probably about 15 years ago. Clément is now the international director. Mm. And uh, as I said, the business started in France. It's now in about nine different countries. So in Europe, it includes the UK, Spain, Turkey, Well, does Europe Poland. still include the UK? I guess it does until <laughs> Brexit happens. Well, absolutely. Huh? Watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> that accent of yours, or is that just a speech impediment? <laughs> what do you mean, mate? <laughs> now, look, the... Uh, my English friends tell me my English accent's gone. My Australian's friend tell me I still sound like a poet. <laughs> Good to know. So what is and does Interactive do? Okay, look, Interactive uh, is actually spelt, uh, pronounced Interactive. So it's a French word, and in French it literally means for those who interact. Well, we're doing that right now. We're doing that right now. Um, but for interactives, the company, it has a deeper meaning because what it's all about is improving the quality of professional relationships. And uh, why I say that is because the cost to companies, any company of unproductive relationships is enormous, but it's usually ignored. It's usually ignored because they're hard to quantify or because um, those in charge, let's say, uh, are not skilled or equipped to teach their people how to conduct effective meetings and conversations. So isn't it interesting because you, know, you would think that as the human condition, being a human being, mm -hmm. interacting with other people should be a innate skill. It should be an innate skill. Something and, and we learn in preschool or even earlier. And without a doubt, we learn it from a very early age. We probably even learn it, it starts in the womb because of the sounds that we're picking up and the, the vibes that we get. But uh, you're right, it's an innate skill. People are rarely trained in it. They just pick it up as they go through life. And what we've found with, and particularly in the profession, remember this is in the professional world, we've found that over 30 years, very few people have a real natural talent for it. But everybody can be trained and skilled in really making it matter when they talk. Because mm. uh, I know part of the sales training that I've had over the years is that when you have a sales meeting, um, be prepared for the social uh, glue segment, which happens at the start, which is the small talk, mm -hmm. you know, and looking for common ground and common interests. And, and that should be anywhere between five minutes and 15 minutes, but that the person that you're selling to will give you certain clues that they've done enough of that social interaction. Uh, it, it's sort of, if you have a one-hour meeting, there's potentially 25% of it, which is just shooting the breeze. Absolutely. And uh, someone is paying for that time. 
Is it a good investment in time? Does it build the relationship? Well, obviously, there will be cases when it does, but very often we find it's actually counterproductive because what's happening is something that is potentially manipulative or insincere or even duplicitous going on as the, uh, let's say, the smoothing of the waters, the softening of the environment is being created in that small talk scenario before you actually reveal the true nature of why you're there and the objective of what you're trying to get from that meeting. But I think uh, the fact that it is often set up as a sales meeting, um, and they would argue, and in fact I I know, because the sales trainers say this is a most important point because it's where you start to establish uh, commonality Mm -hmm. and trust uh, is built on that shared commonality of shared values and shared experience. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? It's a really interesting question. We would say that trust is actually built much more effectively, more simply and faster if you actually announce your reason for being there, what you've done to prepare for it, and how you feel. Mm. And also in the opposite order, by the way, because... uh, Okay, so give it to me in the right order. Yeah, well, if I was saying to you, part of our training is to teach people how to conduct meetings, i.e. how to prepare for them. Most people don't prepare for meetings. They wander in and they go, yeah, vaguely got an objective, I'm gonna sell you a car or whatever it might be. But they haven't prepared for it, they haven't done their homework about you. if I was having a half an hour meeting with you, you said it's a sales meeting, so let's just say I'm selling that Coca-Cola can to you. Um, my objective from this meeting might not be to get a sale, but might be to open your mind up to the possibility of us doing business in the future. Mm-hmm. That's a valid objective. So you've set okay, an objective. I've met you for the first time. I've done some preparation. I've learned about your business. I've learned about the fact that actually your business is probably much more suitable, and I'm making this up, Darren, much more suitable to take cans and a vending machine than it would be large two-litre bottles. Yeah. Making sense so far? Yeah. Third so time, you're proving that you have some empathy I, I, uh, to my circumstances. Absolutely. Yeah. And the third point that I would do in the preparation is to let you know how I feel about today. Now, that my feelings could be extreme excitement to extreme nervousness. This could be the fifth time I've called you and you've finally agreed to see me reluctantly. And I know you're sitting there at the moment with a bit of an attitude of, here we go, I hope he makes this five minutes and snappy. Hmm. Or it could equally be that I'm incredibly excited because I've finally got a foot in the door and we're talking for the first time. Why is that important? Because if I tell you how I'm feeling, generally speaking, most people, if they're decent human beings, and I believe 99.9% of people are, will not only empathize, but they'll start to come forward and listen. Now, what's important is that I've just talked about working out what my objective is. My objective is, I've done some planning for this meeting, and I've worked out how I feel. But to come in and start this conversation, I do it in the reverse order. I'm gonna tell you how I feel about this meeting today. I'm gonna tell you briefly without dwelling on it, because this could waste a lot of productive time, that I've done some preparation, I've brought in some information about your business that I've learned, and now I'm gonna state what I'm hoping to achieve from this meeting today with you. One last point. When I've stated that objective, I've told you how I feel, and I've told you I've done some planning, I'm gonna ask you, what do you think about that? That's quality control, because if I don't ask you what you think about it, how will I ever know? How will I ever know how I'm being received? What do you think of my plan? And that's an Have essential- I brought you closer to yeah. me? Steve, that is an essential part of communication and one that you see very rarely happening in meetings. People are so busy telling you mm-hmm. what they think you need to know mm-hmm. that they don't take the time to actually check back in with the other person to, well, 
Yeah. What's that saying? Enough about me. What do you think about me? Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and I reckon it's spot on. It takes bravery. Let's say it takes bravery to actually ask someone, what do you think about what I proposed? What do you think about what you and I have just discussed? And even, you don't want to ask this too many times for, shit, for, uh, for fear of being vain, but why not ask it once? What do you think of me? If I was selling to you, I think key to selling is emotion. Mm-hmm. And emotion is about trust, empathy, whether you find me appealing as a salesperson. So I'd like to know pretty early on, you might be giving me some signs. Hey, you might start to yawn and look somewhere else and look at your phone. That could give me some fairly accurate signs, but it could be misleading. Yeah. It could just be the nature of your character. How else am I going to most effectively find out? What do you think? Well, of, I think what uh, do you think of what I presented to you today, Darren? Yeah, I think that many people would find it incredibly uh, uh, making themselves incredibly vulnerable yep. to actually ask a question that may have potentially a negative response. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, you know, that's where the bravery comes it, in. It does indeed, and uh, the key to the interactive training is teaching people to speak more freely about what they want to produce from those meetings and conversations. And obviously we do it, the training, in the safety of the training room. And uh, what I can tell you with great certainty is that almost everybody who does the interactive training will come out the other side saying, wow, I've actually learned how to speak more freely. I've learned to back myself and ask those questions. And E.G., what do you so, think of me? So on that basis, if I was doing the introduction for this podcast, mm. I'd be going, welcome to Managing Marketing. Today I'm sitting to have a conversation with Steve Shepard, who is the Managing Director of Interactive ANZ. I'm very excited about this because I know quite a lot about Interactive through my long friendship with mm-hmm. Clement Toulamon mm-hmm. and that what I would like to achieve today is a very clear understanding of how this training and this coaching could help marketers and advertisers that we work with become even more effective and successful in the ways they work together. How does that sound as a way of starting this podcast? And then I would ask, what do you think about that? I'm just going to give you nine out of ten for that, Darren. That was very Thank good. Thank you very much. That was very good indeed. And I think the important point is the quality control at the end. You've stated your objective, you've told me your state of mind, obviously you've done some preparation, Yep. and if you haven't, not that important. What is important is you had an objective, it is important you've told me your state of mind, and you've put in some quality control. What do I think? My first response to it would be, Darren, I'm delighted to be here, sounds like we're going to have a great conversation. Well, one of the exciting things for me was when uh, Clement introduced us, mm-hmm. was the fact that you have come from a career in market research and advertising into doing and providing this training and coaching. Yep. Now, I think that's incredibly valuable for the Australian market Mm -hmm. and potentially wider because marketing and advertising would see itself as a communications business. But from your 30 years experience and my experience, let's have a conversation about where we think marketers and advertising could be more effective in the way that they communicate and work with each other. Yeah, without a doubt, I think that's a fantastic idea. I think the marketing services sector probably prides itself on being the great communications industry. Uh, But uh, 30 years spent in some very good high-profile creative agencies told me that, uh, I guess, 
fundamentally, there is a huge amount of time wasted. Wasted in sparring, not getting to the point, being manipulative in terms of getting what you want from people. And uh, I wish that this was training I'd had definitely earlier on in my career and in the advertising game. Could you imagine just within the agency mm. if you had meetings where people sat down and actually articulated their intention yep. and an objective at the start of the meeting yep. and then worked and, and interacted with each other on that basis? Absolutely. And uh, there's two, two answers that, yes, I can totally imagine that, which is setting that objective for the meeting, expressing how you feel. You know, for, and, and let's take the ad agency example. Let's take the, the account manager. The account manager has come back from that important client, has just presented that work which the agency spent three months and a huge amount of money developing, and the client has rejected it. Mm. Now, that's going to be bad news internally. It's bad news not only for the creative people, there's some ego involved. Mm -hmm. It's bad news for, let's call it the factory, because the factory's got to start producing again. It's bad news all around. Now, I've seen meetings which go down the pan very quickly, which uh, have created people in them, for example, at a very early stage in that meeting, just switching off because they're devastated by the news they've received. Mm. And so, you know, the next oh. X number of minutes can be totally unproductive. I had a account manager when I was creative director, mm -hmm. uh, an account manager walk into my office and go, oh, oh, great news about the creative. And I went, oh, good. You know, I immediately felt positive. Mm. Um, the client loves it. They just want to change the headline and the visual. Mm. It's a classic. It's an yeah? absolute classic. And it was like, yeah. sorry, you've got, I, at the time, I thought this was poor framing. Yeah. You framed it in a positive and then you've yeah. just completely demolished everything. And I said, well, what's left? Yeah. Oh, well, they quite like the copy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. So I will just spend all that time which I probably spent, let's take the last week or the last few days, whatever it might have been, Darren, where you spent developing that thing and you've got to start again on the key work. No, I, I think the, that is a classic scenario of manipulation. There's mm. total insincerity there. Mm. The client didn't like those things because if they liked them, they wouldn't have bought them. They wouldn't have bought them. They wouldn't have rejected them. And you that account manager you know whether it's him or her it doesn't matter that account manager has just basically lifted your spirits and crashed them on the rocks well i have what to was, say i was, was quite point of that? i was quite feared mm. you know i was okay. so i think i think i probably created that a little bit in the way that i was in the agency yeah. in that they probably thought that this was a way of getting past the sure. what was going to be the blow-up sure. that would invariably happen. Except that it's interesting, isn't it? Because there, even though you can be disappointed, mm. you can also be given a framework that allows you to understand what you can do with that disappointment. 100%. And why don't we just play this for one second? I'll give you another example in it, which is off that particular topic. Um, I like the way you described your fearful personality when you worked back in advertising. And there's plenty of creatives that probably created that persona, not, not meaningfully, they did not, not meaning to rather, they just did. So that account manager's come in, a little bit fear of you, so thinks that they can smooth the waters quickly. Wrong. What would have been far better is to say, Darren, I've just got back from the client and I am, going, I am devastated about the news I'm about to give you. And I hope that uh, once you've digested it in the way that I did, we can move quickly to finding a solution. 
I loved that work. I absolutely thought it was great. As you know, when I walked out of the door, I think it's absolutely on strategy. The client, however, doesn't like it. Not even because of the strategy. They just don't like the use of those particular mm. words in the headline. They, they find them offensive for some reason. And uh, what we've got to do is find a solution. So the, the good thing out of all of that, because clearly that is bad news, and I, I would expect you to be feeling pretty devastated right now. The good news out of it is that I've got some clues as to how we might be able to keep the good sense of that headline. And here are some suggestions. Can I share them with you? Yeah, love it. Okay. Look, and, and that's exactly, you know, you were honest, you were empathetic, yep. we had a, a shared disappointment. Exactly. I'm, I'm just wondering if they've actually said, um, I'm feeling a bit intimidated because, mm. you know, whether that, because it was only afterwards that I realised that people were yes. so fearful. Yeah. You know, people don't come in and say, oh, I'm really nervous about your reaction or, you know. Sure. So whether it, that would work as wouldn't well. Wouldn't it be wonderful for you as a human being and wonderful for them if they were brave enough to come in and say, look, I am feeling lousy about being here today because mm. I know you're about to bite my head off with the news <laughs> I've given you. Yeah, I was the one that drew the short straw in account <laughs> management that had to come down yeah. and give you the feedback. Yeah, my yeah. lousy account director has gone to lunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you said you had another example there. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about something else completely different. I'm going to use you as an example here, Darren. I talked about, uh, when we spoke earlier, I talked about meetings being production processes. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, any meeting or any conversation in business is there to produce something. Either if it's, in, if it's me coming to you, I want you to do or to think something, or I want us to produce something together. Would that be reasonable? Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's take as an example... I've come to see you to let you go from your job. Heaven forbid. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've had to do this to people. You've had to way. do it to people. Yeah. And look, I have too, and it's, uh, it's never a great experience. Now, all meetings should have, I believe, an objective. We believe, fundamentally, at Interactors believe you have to have an objective for that meeting. Not an objective for something to happen in six months' time. What do I want to get out of today with you? What do I want to negotiate with you? And the more freedom I give you, in terms of your choices you make and the way you respond to me, the greater the likelihood that you and I will come to a mutual agreement. So, is my objective to come and tell you that you've lost your job? No, because that's non-negotiable. You have lost your job. I am the manager and director of this company. Your job is no longer exist. You're losing it. What is negotiable is how you receive and act on this information, which is probably going to be devastating to you. And the reason I wanted to use that is that I think it really does exemplify that notion of preparing for, listening differently, asking questions differently, stating differently what you want to get from the meeting. Really interesting because I have a, a very old, long-term friend mm -hmm. who was a international HR director who had terminated hundreds and hundreds of senior executives. Mm -hmm. His stated objective of any termination meeting was to allow the person to leave the meeting with their dignity and integrity intact. Fantastic. Right? That was his stated objective. Yep. yep. That, yes, I, to your point, yes, I have to terminate this mm. position. That's a non-negotiable. Yep. But what I need to do, because it will be devastating to you personally, yep. but I have to make sure that you are given a framework and support 
that allows you to quickly re-establish your integrity as a human being. Yep. I still feel yep. I'm a worthwhile human being mm-hmm. and I still can walk out of this room yep. or walk through the office mm-hmm. with dignity mm-hmm. because you know, and that is the minimum it, that's required by the organisation in uh, doing that uh, process. Uh, and so if, if more people went into that process, because I've also been made yeah. redundant or, yeah. or terminated. Sure. Um, and it's amazing how people get it so wrong mm-hmm. because they're so obsessed with their own feelings that they haven't even acknowledged. Yep. You know, perhaps to even acknowledge their own feelings would be a big step forward. Would be a massive step forward. And I guess the holy grail of the meeting outcome would be that you walk away from here still feeling positive towards this company Mm. and fully understanding the decision that's been made. Mm. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think another one, we talked about it when we first came in today, and I'm pleased to say I was 10 minutes early rather than 10 minutes late. Lateness is a huge issue in companies, particularly particularly actually in the white-collar business world. Mm. Um, It's it's a little bit different in other areas, but particularly in the white-collar business world. And uh, there are all kinds of different ways of dealing with it. But let's just supposing you are this person who is perpetually late. Finally, my boss has turned up to this meeting and you've turned up late again. The meeting has been disrupted. Now, my boss has tapped me on the shoulder and said, Darren's behavior is unacceptable. Do something about it. Okay. Darren, you and I need to meet and we need to talk about this. Now, the inevitable way that most people deal with it is to walk in there, they will try to soft soap and sort of pretend that this is all going well between us and then suddenly the reason for this meeting comes in, you mm-hmm. know, and it can be like a slap in the face. What also, what also happens is that we, and it's, it's human nature to ask why. And if I come to you and say, why are you late? Oh, there's always an excuse. There's always an excuse. And the chances are it's not going to serve my objective. It's not going to serve this meeting. I probably don't want to know. If I start blaming you and telling you you're late, well, I'm probably telling you something you know already. You know you're late. You know you regularly turn late. So what should be my objective of the meeting be? My objective should be future looking. It must be, can I get a commitment from you, from this meeting, from now on, to be on time? That should be the only important thing. Otherwise, we're going to meander into a swamp of manipulation and justification and areas that probably are not going to serve this meeting or get us to a point of positivity. So uh, we were doing a project with a a Japanese electronics company and uh, I had a number of meetings with the marketing team and the CEO. Mm. And at the second meeting, I turned up on time, I'd signed in at the uh, at the reception, and the CEO, to the minute, walked down and picked me up from reception and took me, and we sat in the meeting room. And about ten minutes in, he looked. We'd been chatting, and mm-hmm. he says, "I don't know why, but marketing are always late." Mm-hmm. And I said to him, "So what are you going to do about it?" And he goes, "What can I do? They've always been late. They'll always be late." That's the first. The second is a major bank new CEO. Uh, organized for an all-staff meeting. We're talking thousands of people. And it was after a break in a big auditorium, and it was, we'll resume at 11 o'clock. And he stood at the front of the room, and he waited and waited and waited until he didn't say anything, until the very last person sat down, which was 25 minutes after 11. After 11. Right? And he then made the announcement 
that it will now be company policy that the doors at any meeting will be shut at the appointed time and no further person will be allowed to enter the room. Yep. And to prove that, the very next day, all these direct reports, he had a meeting at 9am and at 9 o'clock the doors were closed and half of his direct reports were left standing outside the meeting room. Fantastic. I salute him for doing it. The fact of the matter is he provided them with prior warning. He did not rip into someone and destroy their ego, which would, I think, be very poor management practice. Um, he gave everyone this new piece of news to act on, and then he carried it through. I think. Do you think we have too many meetings? I think this is a particular, um, you, you called it white-collar mm. business, mm. But it seems to be a particular issue for marketing that I have senior marketers that show me their diary where from 8 a.m. in the morning till 6 o'clock at night, yep. there is a succession of meetings. I think, and I can only base this on the fact that I'm fortunate enough to have conversations with anyone from marketing directors up to CEOs on a daily basis, and uh, ask them how things are going and how their life is and how the job is and you will inevitably hear them say all I seem to do now is just go from meeting to meeting to meeting. Mm. So there must be a problem. But who am I to judge whether we have too many meetings or too few meetings? I think what's really critical is that we probably have too few meetings that are not planned for, that are not well organised in order to produce results from them faster. Mm. I think that's the problem. Um, and I can remember, uh, I can remember, huge amount of time wasted in advertising agencies. In fact, I thought I, I remember at one point in my career thinking this must be one of the most profligate businesses there is, mm. because we spend so much time, and at the end of an hour and a half, we haven't actually moved anywhere. No, what, everyone's what, what, had an opportunity to share their opinion. Absolutely, but we haven't gone anywhere yeah. except that, for example, you know, the media department or the creative department has kind of walked off. Their heads are slightly more stooped than they were when they first walked into the room, and uh, we'll see what happens in a few days' time. One of my concerns is the idea of being more agile in marketing, mm -hmm. and I think agility as a philosophy is great. Yep. Agile process sure. is great, except that. In a culture where meetings are the way to coordinate and work together, sure. it just generates more meetings. Mm -hmm. yeah, and unless those meetings, to your point, have a particular intent and yep. a very clear objective yep. uh, and, and resolve in mm. actions that need to be done and, and are agreed. Yes. But in many ways, isn't that just the traditional meeting management process? There is an agenda drawn up yep. that is shared with all of the relevant people. Sure. The agenda's discussed, yep. and at the end of it, there'll be responsibilities yep. and timelines for people to do what was agreed in the meeting that needed to be done. Uh, I, I'm going to answer your question with a question. How often do you find yourself sitting in large group meetings where only a small number of people consume most of the oxygen? and that actually by the end of that meeting you wouldn't really know whether everybody is bought into whatever the objective that was set for the meeting. Well, uh, see, I'm, I'm a little bit lucky, um, Steve, mm -hmm. because uh, I charge by the hour and I'm a consultant. So uh, <laughs> most of the time if I'm asked to a big group meeting, yep. it's because they want to hear what I have to say or, or to make a recommendation That's or right. whatever. So, 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 but yes, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm being... Um, 
I'm being facetious and I'm being a, a, li- a little bit of a braggart there, right. but I do know that happens. Yep. And in fact, it's interesting because pitching, right? We have a thing called chemistry sessions, but mm. they're not... Yes, they're chemistry sessions mm. because you're getting people into a room where, you know, human nature, they will decide within less than a minute whether they like the person. Then they'll spend the another 59 minutes collecting all of the evidence they need to to support their initial assessment right but we don't we call it a chemistry session but we brief both parties we Mm -hmm. say agency you have 20 to 30 minutes Mm -hmm. to really pitch why you yep it's a one hour meeting don't go we'd recommend you don't go over 30 minutes Mm -hmm. because at the end of that it should be that you engage the client in asking you questions without a doubt right because the next 30 minutes should be an interaction because that's where they'll really get an understanding of who you are and whether they could work with you or not. The number of times that I've then had to call time at 60 minutes and all the agency's done is talked about itself. And even worse, I've called time at the 60 minutes and only the managing director of the agency has spoken and left the team of potentially six or seven or eight people just sitting there as sort of what I'd call warm props in the room. Absolutely. Look, and these are communications companies. Their responsibility is to be able to communicate or interact, in quotes, with their potential client. 100%. Um, I think there's a, there's a number of things that just sprung to mind as you say that. What were you taught about listening when you were at school? I learned more about listening in business. Mm -hmm. And my favourite quote is, we have two ears and one mouth. Mm -hmm. So listen twice as long and only speak when you have something to contribute to the conversation. Absolutely. Have you ever talked to someone and you find out if they had a good conversation? Generally speaking, the person telling you they had a good conversation is because they talked a lot. (laughs) Because people want to talk. Human nature. Sorry, sorry. A chemistry session... Mm -hmm. Panel, largely of women Mm -hmm. from the client side, one male, an agency team of three men. They did nothing but talk to the man. Didn't matter who asked the question. Mm. They responded back to the one man on the other side. They talked for about 40 minutes. Mm. I then said, well, perhaps we should take questions. There are no questions. As I walked them out, they were telling me how well that went. And I said, why do, why do you think it went well? Well, we you know, presented our credentials really well and we answered, uh, you know, answered the brief really well. And I go, guys, it went terribly. Mm. You didn't engage them. You largely insulted most of the people. In the, they had no idea yeah. because they were so absorbed in their own presentation. And telling that they their didn't, story. And they didn't read the room. Absolutely. They saw none of the body language. They yeah. saw... Bizarre. Darren, I recall I recall definitely one particular managing director that I served many, many years ago, and uh, myself and the team had to get to a point where we had to gag him because this particular guy was so enthused about telling the credentials and talking the credentials and telling us how many overseas offices we had and how large they were and how we'd service that particular client in question in 15 different countries. And he'd used to say at the end of these meetings, how do you think it went? Mm, all right, but we didn't learn anything from them because you'd hogged the entire conversation. So I think your method, your chemistry method is perfect, which is, sure, take some time to say something because you have to get to know me, but I'll only know 
if we've had a really good meeting, if you are then totally engaged for the next 60% of it, firing questions, picking our brains, then I'll know we've probably landed you. Hmm. Well, uh, yeah, we know that we can tell by reading the room, and I think that's such an important skill hmm. is to be aware of everything that's going on in the room. For sure. How quickly the client engages with the agency, even when they're presenting. Hmm. You know, if you just pause long enough hmm. and, and someone has a question, and as soon as they ask the question, they are emotionally engaged in that interaction. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to go back to a government piece of business that we pitched for once upon a time, and I won't mention the agency or the government, that would be inappropriate. But uh, on the client panel was a lady who, was, uh, who had just given birth and decided to bring her baby to the pitches. And the issue was quite a sensitive one, so I think they did it deliberately. I never found out. Uh, well, I never found out at the time. I found out uh, quite a long time afterwards. But uh, in the pitch, this lady obviously started to breastfeed her child. Mm. We won the pitch, and we won the pitch, and I was told afterwards because in my presentation, I decided when she started doing this to move closer to her and talk to her directly. Right. And she loved it. She gave us the feedback afterwards that other agencies pitching for it had turned away, ignored her, almost turned their noses up. Mm. And, uh, and I think it was a deliberate strategy on their part, and good luck to them if they want to do if that. If it was, that was quite, you know, uh, quite insightful Absolutely. as a way of testing. Because, you know, a lot, of people, a lot of marketers, for instance, will say, well, how can we tell if someone's collaborative? Mm. You know, because every agency will say that yeah. they collaborate. But, yeah. you know, it's very easy to find out if someone is more likely to collaborate or not. Yeah. And that is see and observe if they listen... Definitely. And then respond to what has been said to them Absolutely. to clarify what they've heard. Yeah. And once it's clarified, then to respond. Yeah. The, the words that people use and the order in which they say them is not coincidence. No. And if you actually, if anybody listens very carefully to what is said and in the order that they say it and respond to that, not only are you showing that you're being a very respectful listener, but the chances are you're going to be dealing with the most important things to that other person. So, Steve, if there's an agency or a marketing team or someone listening to this podcast, what would they get out of engaging with Interactive in doing either the training or the coaching? Well, look, let's just call the training and the coaching very similar. They're, mm -hmm. they're one and the same. Uh, and the standard training program that Interactive supplies involves a two-day seminar, uh, if you like, call it that, training, up to, up to eight people workshop in the, sem in the training room. We don't do PowerPoint. We don't sit there sort of presenting charts. I'm, as the trainer, highly engaged in the action. It is all based on role-playing and videoed and getting people to see themselves, getting people to re-sketch things so that they start to learn to use the tools. We fundamentally teach them to do two things. One, prepare for conversations in a way that they've never done before, but then there's the pre-planning, the pre preparation, and now you're in the conversation. And then in the conversation, we train them in our toolkit, which is to then use elements of the toolkit in order to try and get to a point of negotiation as effectively simply as possible with the other person or with the other party. Mm. One of the things that we say to everybody around the globe, doesn't matter which country, we say, how do you like to be spoken to? 
and we find almost irrespective of culture that most people will answer the same way in terms of message people say I'm not going to tell you let me ask you how do you like to be spoken to Darren well I like people to speak to me as an equal and to show interest in what I in, in the way I'm uh, engaging with them great so in terms of the fantastic so in terms of the message that they might be delivering to you how do you like them to speak to you oh as an equal as an equal okay um do you like them to be direct concise precise of course i i haven't got time to waste great yeah so i'd like people to get to the point and look that's that's an interesting point because we have agencies often Mm. you know will want to spend you know meet with us to get Mm. advice and things like that but then you'll spend most of the time not actually getting to the point. Trying to work out why they're actually there and what their objective is. In terms of the manner in which they speak to you, so it's different to the message, how do you like to be spoken to? Oh, the manner. The manner, yeah. Yeah, so um, uh, as a conversation, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So calmly, friendly, polite. I I also love enthusiasm. Great. Yeah, that people actually feel energised and engaged in having the conversation. Yeah. Can you tell if people are being honest with you? I think I've got reasonable skills, but you know, n- not necessarily. I yeah. mean, I have been duped. Yep. Uh, I think we all have, but sure. that just makes you uh, more uh, more cautious in taking uh, certainly you know, statements of um, you know benefit and things like that. Uh-huh. Promises you'll you'll often take with a grain of salt. Absolutely, I, I think that's spot on, Darren. I think that uh, you can tell if someone is being clear, direct, concise, mm. precise. You can tell if they're being calm, if they're being friendly, if they're being polite and respectful. It's difficult. It's more difficult. And you need to spend time, obviously, in that conversation to get to the point of whether you, you think they're being honest or mm. sincere. So they're more valued judgments. Yeah. Mm. Look, um, we've just run out of time. It's been a fascinating conversation, Steve. And um, if people need more information around uh, the interactive and the offerings, what, what should they do? They should visit interactive.com.au. So visit Interactive Australia. Uh, there they can leave a message and I'd love to talk to them. And uh, as a final uh, question, um, of, uh, from your experience, 30 years in the industry, uh, any particular agency that you think should be phoning you or contacting you straight away because they need your help?